You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. Let's pay some bills. I know that's the first thing you want to hear when you tune into a podcast, and I'm I'm here for you. I'm here to give you what you want. Sick Biz Buzz is here today due to their parent company, Sick Biz Incorporated. So a shout out to them, but more especially a shout out to their new business course comprised of eight video modules. You're learning all about making money today, this instant, networking strategies, marketing that you need and don't, discovering the best businesses to run according to your personality and aptitude, and more. For more information, send an email to sickbizco at gmail.com. My guest today is Danielle McCafferty. She is a warrior running her own agency, the McCafferty Agency, and lives every day managing a painful condition that will take you to your knees. Her journey is one of exploration, of loving herself more every day, and of taking the steps to do so. Danielle understands that she is in charge of her life and the narrative of her life. Recently, she did a boudoir shoot that allowed her to access areas of vulnerabilities that hadn't been tapped. We're going to talk to her about what loving your body means when it seems like it's against you and talk about the well of resolve she draws from daily to continue to conquer the world and her own mindset. Please welcome the eternally persistent Danielle McCafferty. Hi, Hillary. How are you today? Hi, I'm so good. I'm so glad you're on here. Me too. I'm so glad that you reached out to me. Well, I had to because um, you and I both know Ashley, and she is amazing. She's one of our editors. She's also the VA for J Hill Marketing, and um, and she shared your video, the one that uh, the boudoir company had done for you and celebrating you, and you really got into your own story. And so you are the listener. You are the audience. You are running your own agency. So you're an entrepreneur, you're a business person, but you're also doing it battling, it sounds like a couple of different diseases now. And so yeah. you're, you're, becoming, you're becoming this inspiration for people to look to and say, well, if she can do it, then I can do it. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I've had stage four endometriosis. I was diagnosed in June of 2018. Um, but before that, I would just end up in the ER over and over and over again with all these different things and no one knew what was going on. And I got passed from doctor to doctor to doctor. Finally, after 13 doctors, I begged a surgeon to do a surgery to just look for anything. Um, and she did. And she found endometriosis that was connecting my ovaries to my abdomen, my bowels, to my uterus, my kidneys, to the internal sidewall of my body. And that in itself is just such a huge slap in the face when you, my business was brand new, just a little tiny baby business. Um, and so that was where all my energy was going and to have to step back and like fight this huge battle that was raging in my body was 
challenging and it's challenging every day, but it's also really empowering and it's taught me a lot about myself and my business and um, the people around me. So it's been a blessing and a curse all in one. Wow. And so stage four, is that kind of like the peak? Yeah. So that's as bad as it gets. Um, a lot of different women's have varying degrees and pain tolerance. And sometimes women with stage four don't really feel much of anything. And sometimes women with stage one are brought to their knees and mm -hmm. incapacitated by their pain. So it just really depends on the specific body. But stage four means that there's just adhesions and growths that are connecting your internal organs that can cause um, irreparable damage if it's not dealt with. So do they know what causes this at this point? They don't. They don't really know what's going on. Basically, they say it's due to a, hor a hormone imbalance. So if you're estrogen dominant, the lining of your uterus just kind of goes crazy and grows like weeds in a garden all over your organs, all inside your body, and just clenches everything together like drinking cement. So it's, mm. it's this horrible disease that's so under under-researched, under-funded, and so bringing light to it because one in 10 women have this disease, but the only diagnosis, the only way to get a diagnosis is through surgery. So, so and the other thing now, and I heard this before, and I don't know what stage this applies to, and I thought this was a really weird thing, but is the only way to kind of quote-unquote get rid of it to get pregnant? No. So that is... Um, something that a lot of doctors say to try and um, have women ha hold out hope, but it does stop when you're pregnant, your progesterone is dominant. So it stops the estrogen production in your body. So for that bout of nine months ish, you can have no symptoms, but I've talked to a lot of different women that have women ha that have had symptoms throughout pregnancy and afterward. So, and then, and then just because I'm a logical thinker, so I'm like, oh, an overage of estrogen. And then when progesterone is pregnant, I'm sorry, is present rather, why wouldn't they just put you on progesterone and have that be the cure, quote unquote? They do. So that is the typical treatment for endometriosis, but it gets to a certain point where the progesterone really doesn't do anything because then. Mm -hmm endometriosis kind of creates its own um, ecosystem within your body. So then it starts creating its own estrogen, which just compounds on itself and goes crazy. So, um, and it leads to a lot of different hormonal imbalances, a lot of different symptoms opposed to just abdominal pain. So progesterone is one course of treatment, but from the majority of women that I've spoken to, it's not a conclusive, you know, solution to it. Wow, that is amazing, and what a jerk endometriosis is. <laughs> it is. It's a huge jerk. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That has got to be very, very frustrating. How did you feel when you finally got the diagnosis after lucky number 13 doctors? And shame, shame, shame on those doctors. Shame on them. Seriously. I had doctors tell me I needed to go on antipsychotics, uh, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication, that the pain was all in my head that the ruptured cysts were all in my head. Um, so I was, after getting that diagnosis, it was validating first and foremost, sure. because then you're like, okay, I'm not crazy. You know, right. I'm right. not, there's actually something physically wrong with me. Because after a while, after 13 
professionals telling you that it's all in your head, you start to believe it a little bit. Um, and then once you get the diagnosis, it's like, okay, now I can, I'm also an analytical thinker, that type A personality. So I'm like, okay, now how do I fix it? Right. right. And with this disease, there really isn't one. It's a chronic lifelong disease that you suffer with until you pass pretty much. Holy cow. So even, even when you get into like a menopausal age, there is still endometriosis that is present within the body and it can cause still a lot of issues. My mom and my husband's stepmom both still have lingering symptoms of endometriosis through their perimenopausal and menopausal states. Okay, that just seems like it's unnaturally cruel because I can tell you as a perimenopausal woman, it is not fun. <laughs> I'm just saying like I'm going through my entire wardrobe. I'm putting stuff on. I'm taking it off. I'm turning the heat up. I'm turning it down. I'm just like it is the heaviest blankets on, one foot out, all feet out. Like it's just it is insane. So to compound that, I mean, it's so that is something you don't expect to hear that you are sick, but not only that, you, you're not going to get well. Right. You're sick forever. So that was a really, really hard thing for me to swallow because I'm such a, an answer-driven person. So it was like, okay, well, there's a disease. There must be a cure for it. Right. And how do we achieve that? Um, so the best, from my knowledge, from my research, the best way to combat endometriosis is an excision surgery. But there's only a few excision surgeons in the country so I was able, I was blessed enough to find a beautiful surgeon at the Mayo Clinic in Phoenix, and he was able to excise all the endometriosis that he, he's found, and I'm three months post-op, and my symptoms have decreased dramatically. Oh my gosh, that's absolutely fabulous. Yes, it is amazing. Um, so he thinks that we shouldn't have a reoccurrence of symptoms for a couple years, hopefully, fingers crossed. Sure. So um, that's what we're hoping for. It's just kind of a, we're trying to taper it off for a little bit and have me a normal-ish quality of life. Normal-ish quality of life that is <laughs> that is so inspiring to shoot for and all at once very sad at yeah. the same time. And I totally get it because, you know, you, you live in this reality that's your reality and so you kind of get used to it, but then other people hear about it and they're like, man, you know, it and it does suck, you know, it does suck. Um, but it brought out in you a, first of all, like I'm super happy that you're getting some relief because like, let's get you a break. You know what right. I mean? Just give you a break. That would be fantastic. But this unearthed some strength in you that yeah. you didn't have before, or maybe that you didn't realize how strong you were before. Definitely. So like I said, I've always been that type A personality. I'm the one that rock climbs every weekend, hikes every morning, does yoga every morning. Like I'm very active and I'm very goal oriented. So when I got sick, I wasn't able to do anything. You know, when you're chronically ill, you need to rest and recover and rely on people. And that really taught me to, that I have amazing support system. And it taught me to stand up for myself after those 13 doctors telling me that I'm crazy, it's all in my head. It really 
unearth this like wild woman inside of me. Like, no, I am going to get answers and I am going to find some relief. So it really sparked this internal journey of accepting my body and allowing myself to rest because in this, you know, the environment of business, it's hustle, 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 hustle. You know what I'm saying? So it's, and if you're not working, then you're not being productive. So being sick really taught me the inner strength of not really self-care. I feel like that's kind of an overused word, Mm -hmm. but self-love and making sure that I'm taken care of and making sure that I'm able to run my business. And that means taking care of myself first. And so then one of the next logical steps for you was this boudoir shoot. So So talk about that in terms of what even led you to think about this. (laughs) So the boudoir shoot, I've known the photographer that took the pictures for quite a few years. Her name's Danielle. Same as mine. Beautiful name. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've known her for years and I've always looked at her pictures. Like, I wish I could be brave enough to go in front of a camera in my underwear. Mm -hmm. My whole background is in... Um, police work. So I used to work with Metro as a crime scene investigator. What? Yes. So I'm very conservative. I've always been very conservative. And as I was looking at these pictures, I was like, I think that that would be an amazing way for me to show other women that scars and extra body weight just shows your journey and shows how beautiful you are and how resilient you are. Because I have these scars all across my stomach. And of course, getting sick and being inactive for three years, you put on a few pounds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this boudoir shoot, I booked it with her to reclaim my body because I had this distorted body image, even though my husband told me all, all the time how beautiful I was and how sexy I was. I didn't really believe it. You know, you're being this pin cushion for doctors. A lot of the chronically ill can relate to that all too well. You mm-hmm. know, they mm-hmm. are poking and prodding you and you don't feel really like a person or your body's your sacred temple anymore. It's theirs. And it's, you disconnect and you don't feel sexy and your se- sexuality, especially with endometriosis. Mm -hmm. is skewed and twisted and destroyed. So that's what led me to reach out for this boudoir shoot, which was so out of my comfort zone. But it was so amazing just feeling sexy and desirable and beautiful and really showing off my scars and not from a victim type of mentality, but from an empowered warrior strength type of mentality telling other women like you should embrace your scars because this shows what you've gone through every single day those hidden illnesses you don't ever see on somebody's body and those are generally the ones that wreak the most havoc I mean if you break your wrist it heals but like Lyme disease is you know like your condition it takes a long time if ever to heal endometriosis the same thing Right. Absolutely. And I think you even went a step further into loving yourself, into respecting your body and saying, hey, you know what? It it is what it is. You know, yes, we contract these illnesses. It's not our body's fault. Right. You know, it's not our fault. It is what it is. And sometimes there's no reason for it. Um, I I like to think of it in terms of like, okay, well, I have this new information. I have this new reality. What am I supposed to do with it? 
right. do something with it. It doesn't mean there's a reason behind it, but it's also learning like my body works hard every freaking day. And it carries so, us around. And yeah. especially as women, we have this mentality and, you know, it can be from a lot of different sources, media, society, whatever. It tells us to hate our bodies, this unrealistic view of perfection. And for a lot of us, especially the chronically ill, that's not the case. So just learning to love the body that you're in. It's the only one that we get. So you can hate it all you want, but it's still going to be there. It's still going to be the same body. You still got to work with it every day. Right. And so why not work with it? Why not be gentle and loving to it? You know, I just posted something on Facebook. It was like last week where it was like, I'm done. I'm done slamming my body. Right. I'm done saying I'm fat. Your hair is dry. You're this, you're that, whatever the case is. You can't, you walk funky. I'm I'm done. I'm done because my body shows up for me every day, even damaged, even hurt. It supports my life. It houses my soul. So we have to respect it. If we come from a position of that, you know, and I, I think you're fortunate to have a healthy mindset. I don't know if you if you went to dark places, but there's a lot of people listening who do go to those dark places and they get stuck there. Oh yeah. They get, they get super angry and they feel uh, very resentful. Like what should have been given to them naturally was just taken away. We have a sense of body entitlement right. as well, where it's like, well, I'm entitled to my healthy body. And you know what? Like, I, I don't know if that's the case. <laughs> right. No, definitely. I mean, you view your body as, and then you, you have this comparison to other people too, yes. you know, like, oh, well, they're not sick. That's not fair. And I definitely did go into those dark places, especially after, you know, the first surgery, the first 20 ER visits, it's just, you go into this dark place, like, it's not fair. Why me? You know, kind of thing. But the way that I viewed it is I can use this as a platform to help other women. And since I've been vulnerable about it on social media and talking about it to other people, people have come up to me and been like, I've had very similar symptoms and I'm scared. I don't know what to do. And so that allows a conversation of love and kindness and not in like that toxic positivity type of light, you know, like, well, it could be worse kind of thing. Oh, I can't stand that. (laughs) And I love that you just married up a phrase right there. Toxic positivity is like, well, let's go ahead and invalidate everything somebody's saying and just sprinkle a buttload of sunshine on it that doesn't have any, that doesn't have any meaning. And it doesn't do anything but helps them to feel even less heard and even more alone. And it and it does damage. And we have to get control of that. And the shooting thing. I mean, like, I'm just so over that. Well, you should this and you should that. Well, you you should shut the front door, man. Like (laughs) Yeah, I'm also a yoga instructor. So in that space, there's a lot of people that are like well, you should be grateful that, you know, you don't have a more serious condition. No, my experience is valid. My pain is valid. My journey is valid. And it sucks. It's not fun some days. But I get up every single day and I try to make the best of it. And if the best of it is me laying in bed, that's the best of it. Just surviving, that's the best, then that's the best. And I don't need, you know, 
Miss Flower Sunshine telling me to smile <laughs> and go to a yoga class. Even though I'm a yoga instructor, I do do that. But it's not a cure-all. It's really not. And then them telling you to be happy or think positive, that one kills me. Um, oh. Really just <laughs> boils my blood. It really does. Because they don't understand the journey. And it silences people. It makes it so that they don't want to speak out anymore. They feel like they're whining, which is not true. Or And it's implied that, okay, so then you're saying I'm not doing as much as I could be doing. So therefore, I'm not helping myself get better as much. And I think there's value in accepting our emotions. There's value in saying, I'm in this place today right now, and today I'm going to be sad. I'm not saying it's going to derail my whole life. Yeah. You know what? That to happen and allowing yourself to feel it. Right. Because if you don't, it's going to come out some other way. We right. know you don't want to suppress at the same time you know, you, you don't want to spin out, so to speak, but embrace the sadness. This is sad. Yeah, it's this sad and it's hard and allowing yourself to feel that instead of just, oh, I got to put a smile on and go to work every single day and act like nothing's wrong when right. it is, is also very damaging. Yeah. So do you think the hustle mentality is killing people? Yes, I most certainly think that it is because that's the way that I lived my life before I got sick. I mean, I was going into or after my first surgery in June of 2018, I had my laptop on my hospital bed mm -hmm. working and people were congratulating me. Ugh. Wow, you're <laughs> Wow, you're so strong. Wow, you're such a hard worker. No, I should be resting and hanging out with my family and petting my dogs and eating ice cream. Like I shouldn't be worrying about my business and worrying if I'm not working hard enough and what people will think of me. And that's the biggest thing, isn't it? What will people think of you if you are human? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, if I had seen you in that hospital bed, I would have been like, dude, you are a crazy train. Let's <laughs> get, <laughs> let's One get had to take the, after my, um, I was in the ER after that last surgery, and one nurse took my laptop and she said, it will all be there tomorrow. And it will, you know, and this is interesting because even, let's say we have a catastrophe, right? Whatever, unforeseen circumstances, everybody's always just super crunch time. Right. Packing and appointments, things that need to be done. We have deadlines, we have calls, we have all these things. But what happens if there's a fender bender and you can't get where you're supposed to go? You don't have a car all of a sudden. Um, you can't get to where people are. What happens if there's a power outage and right. you can't deliver? When, when we're in these critical situations, it's amazing to look back and say, but you know what? We managed. Right. We got through. We figured it out. So why do we live every day in this hustle mentality which is, you know, if I'm not working a 16-hour day, I'm failing. Exactly. Lazy, right? It's because everybody around you or some people around you, if you aren't working, you're seen as lazy or unproductive or um, a slew of other insults. So they just work and work and work until they can't anymore. So you're working differently now. Yes, I am. I'm working on delegating. 
with that type A personality comes the lovely trait of being a little controlling. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I have really been working on delegating. I have a beautiful right-hand woman. Her name is Jade. She's my assistant in my office. And being able to rely on her and trust her not only has made my business more successful, but has made her happier, feel more valuable, and then made me happier so that I have time that I'm not working like a chicken with my head cut off every day, all week. So just learning to trust the people around you and the world is not going to come crashing down if you miss one appointment or if you need to reschedule something. So is endometriosis autoimmune in nature at all? Does it respond positively to like more rest, less stress and things like that? Yes. So they don't really know if it's autoimmune or not because it's the lining of the uterus. Mm -hmm. So it's not, they haven't really declared it as an autoimmune disease, but it does respond to stress and it does respond to diet and it does respond to activity. So that in itself made me change my way of life. Me and my husband became vegan, which really helped with the flare-ups. It made me have a more regular sleeping schedule. It made me take my yoga practice more seriously. So incorporating those holistic as well as the, you know, more traditional Eastern medicine type of things has made a huge difference in my everyday life. Holy cow. I don't think that's something that people are aware of. Yes. So it actually can. I mean, when I, the little that I know about it, um, you know, it seems very physiological or, you know, medically based in nature. Like this is a physiological problem that is, um, it just occurs. You know what I mean? And so I think that's really good information to get out about this disease. And so hopefully any women who are listening or maybe wondering about this or haven't tried this, that's a hopeful message right there. Right. And just managing my flare-ups. Surgery by far did the most because my endometriosis was such an at an advanced stage at that point. Sure. But now being able to manage it, so to say, with my diet and my exercise has been a huge step in that self-love type of thing, not self-care, whatever you want to call it. Um, really just being conscious about your body and taking control of what you put in it, what goes out of it. It's all, you know, one big cycle. And especially for the chronically ill, they should really take that into consideration or women that have endometriosis. Um, a lot of doctors, that's what they their first thing is to just throw you on some pills. They wanted to put me on a chemo drug, right? Yeah, when, yeah I was 20, 25, and they wanted me to go on a drug that is meant for prostate cancer. It stops all hormone production in your body. And I was like, whoa there, Nelly, no way, no how is that going <laughs> in my body? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I sought out other avenues of healing. I went to some crazy holistic healers. And I'm a little woo-woo on the scale of, you know, like, no, <laughs> like unicorns farting glitter. Um, so awesome. I'm little. So I did all of it. And the best thing that I found was diet and exercise. It's amazing. It's, it's such a preventative. And I try and incorporate that into my life. Well, more so than even though I'm heavier than 
I ever have been, but whatever, it's fine. It's fine. I've, it's all being managed. But <laughs> but it is amazing. And it is such a proactive thing, you know, and we just seem so disconnected from the idea that w- what goes in our body is fueling every single cell and has this intense and incredible weight and influence right. over how we function. And we just seem like Huh, that's a new theory. You know, it's it's like we haven't made that connection yet. I think also you talked about stuff coming out of your body too. The continual detoxing. Yes. What's going in your body is very, very important. When I started my Lyme treatment, I kid you not, I think the first thing they were like, Well, here's you know, the regimen you're gonna be on, this is what you're gonna be doing. I did not stop pooping for like two and a half months. (laughs) I I literally was like, I'm a miracle. Like this should be This should be documented someday. It, it should. Let's get a YouTube channel going. This is crazy. But, you know, and you get more comfortable talking yes. with your body, I would imagine. And, you know, instead of like wanting to hide and, and go inside, like you're ready to talk about all its functionalities. We do seem to have like this shy mentality when it comes to certain functions of our body, too. Is that holding us back? Oh, definitely. Especially with the menstruation phobia that um, the society has today. I mean, I mean, remember in middle school, you have to hide a tampon in your back pocket to go to the bathroom. And that's just asinine. I mean, every woman has a period. Yeah, exactly. A fact of life. So (laughs) being able to connect with your body and tracking. That's another thing I did when I got diagnosed is I started tracking my ovulation, my menstrual cycles, my bowel movements. And it really, you recognize, oh, well, if I eat this, then I'm Mm going to feel like crap the next day. Mm -hmm. If I drink caffeine on my period, my cramps are going to be horrendous and my flow is going to be really strong. So just like that correlation, same thing we were talking about, what goes in comes out the same way and just being conscious of what causes what, that connection. Right, and how it comes out. Is it going to come out in an excruciating fashion? Or are you you going to go gently into that good night? Like (laughs) how is it (laughs) going to affect you? But you you found the value of hope in this. So talk about that. What is hope to you? What has it done for you? So the value of hope, this has been a back and forth with me. Because you go into that dark place and you're like, screw this. Like, I'm done. This isn't fair. I'm just going to crawl in my bed and cry. Yeah. But at the other end of that, it's, I made it through all that hard crap. I went through all these surgeries. I went through all these doctors. Why would I give up now? And yes. why would I allow this disease? It is a part of me. I, like when pe- I hate when people say, don't let it define you. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it does. It is incorporated into your everyday life, into your relationships, into your body. So in a way, it does define you, but you don't let it control you. I think that's a better word in my mind, at least. Don't let it control you and don't let it take your peace away from you. I think there's, a, there's peace that, that comes when you accept it. And you say, you know, I used to get so mad at my husband because he would talk about, and this was years after I got sick and he would talk about when you get better, when you get better. And finally I was like, stop saying that. Right. Okay. Because you have to just let me be here and and you have to also let me know that if I don't get better, that's okay with you. 
Right. You have to be okay with that. So you have a very supportive husband, it sounds like. I do. That's awesome. Yeah. But I mean, on that, it's if I don't ever get better, I'm still worthy. I'm still valid. I'm still whole even if I have this disease. Right. Absolutely. You are still worthy because you're not, your value isn't that you can menstruate, um, you know, as a quote unquote normal woman. Right. My value is not that I can walk a straight line to the door. Right. You know, your value is we assign so much to taking away an ability or impacting an ability or not being able to ambulate or um, being you know, dealing with some type of mental challenge or something like that. We are so quick to start to strip that person down and just say, well, that's it. You know, you, you were normal. You did have the value. Now you've lost the value because you have this thing. And it's like, this is crazy. It's almost like a snowball effect. And I think it's just incredibly damaging. Right. And I, I reach or I, the women that I have talked to and other people with chronic illnesses, they just feel, I don't feel like myself, you know, and just settling into this new normal and just recognizing that you're whole and that you're enough because when you get sick, it feels like a part of you has left or is missing or is going to come back. But realizing that on the horizon, there's a new person that's stronger, more empathetic, more loving, and a better human overall because of your your struggles. So, like, throw it a, gr- a going away party. Like, bon voyage! <laughs> exactly. Ability to walk in a straight line. We had some good times. <laughs> you know, like, you just have to, you have to flip it on its head. So, I've got one more question for you, yeah. Danielle. What is the best tip you have for running your business with pain challenges? The best tip I have for running a business while dealing with pain is to be kind to yourself. Um, And if you can't get up at 6 a.m., maybe get up at 6.30 or 7. Just giving yourself a little bit of leeway a little bit of grace opposed to being so hard on yourself. I think us as a culture have this idea of, oh, we're stupid or we're not worthy or we're lazy, but just being kind and recognizing that it's okay to rest and survive. It is okay to rest and survive. We we seem to forget that in this culture of trying to outdo each other with busyness, B-U-S-Y-ness versus business and being productive. Definitely. Well, I've greatly enjoyed having you on the show, and I know that you're providing tremendous value to people listening, breaking stigmas all over the place, and coming in with your hope, but not the negative positivity at the same time. So it's just been wonderful having you on and and listening to your story. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Endometriosis is a disease that Danielle McCafferty has, but to Quote those t-shirts, people of varying diseases, sport, it doesn't have her. Danielle is further proof that life is meant to be lived. Goals are meant to be met and limitations are not to be included in anyone's vocabulary. If you've listened, she just kind of flips everything on its head. If you are in the market for insurance or you want to join her tribe or need a little support yourself, 
You can reach her at themccaffertyagency.com. We will have that information for you in the show notes on sickbiz.com as well. All I want for V-Day are reviews. All right, maybe some love and flowers from the hubs. Oh, and dark chocolates. But reviews are my heart and lifeblood, just like any other podcaster out there. So please check out iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are available and leave those sweet nothings for Sick Biz Buzz. Thank you in advance. That's it for this week's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks so much for listening. Be well. <laughs>